It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Welcome into the Brian Dawkins edition, aka. The 20th episode of the Counterpoint Podcast brought to you by BGN Radio and BleedingGreenNation.com. I changed it up there. So, like, I'm sure you're listening to this like, wow, Jack changed it up and that he didn't have that stupid intro from before. Yeah, I just felt like BleedingGreenNation.com made a little bit more sense. So I'm redirecting you back to the site to get some awesome Eagles content brought to you by Brandon Lee Gowton and the, and the whole staff over there. I just figured it made more sense. I don't know why I did the whole BGNRadio.com thing. Although you can still obviously go there for whatever you need. Uh, all, all our podcasts are all posted there. Definitely hit up BGNRadio.com, but also hit up BleedingGreenNation.com. And that's all I got to say about that. It is day 18 post-Carson, and I still think about him every day. And I tell you what, like seeing him uh, in the in the press box or wherever he was in the owner's box, wherever, uh, on Monday night, and seeing just how pissed off he was, because like I'm sure he watched, I'm sure he's watching Nick Foles. Like, oh my fucking god, I left the team with this guy. Um, you could just tell how mad he was. And honestly, I'm gonna start saying prayers now for the rest of the NFL when he gets back. Because if you saw the look in his eyes, it's just over. It's over for the rest of the NFL. I'm sorry to say it. Actually, I'm not sorry to say it because we have our Aaron Rodgers, we have our Tom Brady, we have our Peyton Manning, and he used. Unfortunately, he's in the he was in the the press box the other night, or not the press box. He's in the owner's box the other night, looking really mad, really mad. So just watch out when he gets back because it's pretty much game over. And, and the more I think about that, the fact that he went from his numbers last year, which were very pedestrian, and he had major problems in the red zone and just converting drives into touchdowns to to thirty three touchdowns, a franchise record in fourteen games. And six picks. Like, 
in from year one to year two. How good is he going to be year seven, year eight, year 15? F it. I'm going to 15. I'm going to 15. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I just, I just, sometimes I just think about that. It's hard not to think about it because it's just so exciting having Carson Wentz as your quarterback. Unfortunately, he's not our quarterback anymore. And it's day 18 post Carson. And yes, I still get pissed every time I hear one of these freaking Eagles say next man up in relation to our quarterback because it's not next man up. You lost an MVP candidate. You lost a top five player in football. It is not next man up when you're talking about the quarterback. So yeah, I love the Eagles. I'm fully like it's, that's the thing that's, that's so frustrating is like you you can be a like I, obviously I'm a diehard Eagles fan. We're all diehard Eagles fans, but getting over Carson Wentz is just not next man up. And 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 just like obviously we're, we're all behind Nick Foles. We're not rooting for Nick Foles to lose. Why would we ever do that? We're not rooting for him to lose at all. It's just we lost a guy who was a top five player in the whole sport as your quarterback that was just murdering teams. Just absolutely murdering teams. And we lost that guy. I'm not I'm still not over it. And I don't think I think it's perfectly rational and fair to not be over it yet. So next man up just it still drives me up a freaking wall because it's not next man up when we're talking about Carson Wentz. It's just not. Because Nick Foles is not Carson Wentz. And it's unfair to compare those two, but Nick Foles stinks. He is not a good quarterback. He's just not. Against the Giants, everyone just blind like they blindly watched that game. They looked at the stats and they were like, he see, told you. The offense isn't gonna miss a beat <laughs> without Carson Wentz. And obviously, that's just not the case. Uh Nick Foles played horrendous on Monday night. And that one might have been the worst football game I've ever seen in my entire life. Watched a good amount of football. That game was an atrocity to the sport of football. And I'm sorry, national national viewing audience, that the Eagles and Raiders ruined your Christmas. Uh, and probably ruined a lot of bets. The fact that the line was, was between 9 and 10, and they didn't kick that extra point, I was so glad I didn't have money on that game because I tweeted out on Monday morning, Sunday morning, uh, I really wanted to bet on the Eagles. I was super, super confident in the team heading into Monday night, and thank God I didn't because uh, the line wasn't saying that like we learned last week, and they played like dog shit. So really just a frustrating game, and um, like people are talking themselves into Nick Foles after the Giants game, I feel like they're kind of doing the same thing with the defense. You know, I think the defense played fine. I don't think they were nearly as good as people are making it out to be. Like they shut down the Raiders like – I think they made mistakes throughout the game that if you're going to make those mistakes in a playoff game, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And, like, the the, the holding call helped them out a lot. It would have put the, it would have put the Raiders in first and goal situation. That could have changed the whole game. And, and, and really, you know, everyone's bringing up the turnover thing, and that, that's great. It's great that they're going for the ball and they were able to turn it over. But it's kind of sloppy conditions. It was cold. Uh, the Raiders probably didn't really want to be there, and you're not—you can't rely on five turnovers in a playoff game. It's just—it's not something that's gonna be there in a playoff game by these teams that are not as sloppy and undisciplined as the Raiders are. Um, so yeah, I mean, the game on Monday left me with a lot of questions, and I just want to come out and apologize uh, for last week when I said that I <laughs> that I was more worried about the defense than Nick Foles. That wasn't true. Uh, that was uh, that was a bad take. On my part, a very bad take. wasn't even uh, wasn't even close to being right because 
Nick Foles is obviously the main concern on this team. Uh, just like I mean, I think I think Carson was so good at at masking up the problems with this offensive line. I don't think the offensive line is 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 too crazy of a concern, but just the fact that Carson had made so much magic back, back there, it really covered up the holes uh, on this offensive line. Um, I mean, him him getting out. I mean, some of the most magical plays of the season have just been broken plays because the offensive line couldn't hold their blocks. And Nick Foles just can't do that. Like Nick Foles will roll out of the pocket. He missed Corey Clement for a perfect. Hey, is that Clement right? Uh, missed Corey Clement for a perfect uh, first down late in the game. That didn't happen. He just you know threw it or tried to run with it. Uh, he just doesn't have the escapability that Carson kind of has. I think he. I think Carson masked up a lot of problems with the, with the offensive line. So it just it just feels like. I'm I'm not trying to super overreact to one game or or these last couple games, but it just feels like a trend, and I, it just it just really to me, it feels like the the injuries are starting to catch up with this Eagles team. Uh, the Jordan Hicks injury I think has has caused the defense to regress. It's had it had Rodney McLeod playing single high safety, having to be a main coverage guy. He is not a good coverage guy. I mean, McLeod is a really good player once him and Jenkins are back there together, and Jenkins doesn't have to come down into the box. Like I, I was worried about that, um, you know the, the Hicks injury, the trickle down effect. He just covers up so much in the middle of the field. I mean, Jason Peters obviously with how I mean Vitai played fine. It's just like you can kind of leave uh, Peters on an island out there, and and you'll be okay. Uh, obviously, the Carson injury is, is coming back to bite them, and even probably the Sproles injury. You know, everyone's talking about how the Eagles didn't run the ball enough. I mean, when you're putting when you're putting eight guys in the box, nine guys in the box. You're forcing the quarterback to beat you when he can't beat you. It's hard to run the ball. Like, what's the point? In, what's the point in running the ball in first and ten if it's just going to make it second and ten? Because you're not going to get any traction because they're just loading up the box and forcing Nick Foles to beat you. So, I don't know. Like the whole running the ball thing. Maybe it's gonna, if if Sproles is here, they can get him involved in the passing game. Um, I don't know. Just like, it feels like it just feels like the injuries are starting to pile up. And I'm not trying to just you know, woe is me. The season's over. But it was definitely a concerning effort on Monday night and it was a concerning effort against the Giants and even parts of that Rams game the defense wasn't great. So I don't know, man. It's starting to feel like this thing's starting to leak a little bit and it's not the fault of any really the coaches or the players. It's just that they lost four star players. They lost four star players. And even though they were able to cover it up for a little bit, I think that was a lot that Carson was covering it up and we kinda of just felt confident in this team because Carson was our guy and he was there and he was able to mask a lot of problems on the offensive line, and even the defense. The defense probably felt more confident that they could just go out there and play balls to the wall because Carson could bring this team back. I know it's getting really psychologically deep into this team, and it's probably not the case, but I, I wonder if this defense knew they could take risks because Carson could keep them in any game uh, ever. So uh, it just it's starting to feel like this thing is starting to leak a little bit. But you know what? It's like... Not that bad. <laughs> like, I, I know it sounds doom and gloom, and I'm not trying to sound doom and gloom because I, I tell you what, I'm really, really confident in the future of this Eagles team. Uh, if they can keep Joe Douglas, uh, if they can keep some members of this coaching staff. I mean, as long as you have Carson, you're going to win games in this league. You just are. That's the beauty of having a franchise quarterback. And it's just, you know, we're sitting here at 13 and 2. <laughs> at 13 and two and we're we're like complaining about this team and i know a lot of it is complaining that we lost our franchise quarterback on our our first really big chance to win a super bowl since 2004 but just take a look around the nfc we have it pretty good 
the rest of the NFC East is 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 just looking it's looking like the dumpster fire meme. Every team in the NFC East is in a horrible horrible situation. Let's take a quick uh, let's take a quick rundown of the NFC East real quick because it makes me want to laugh and cry tears of joy with how happy I am with where the Eagles are. The Eagles have zero drama. Like like here's the thing. Alshon Jeffrey had two targets and no catches on Sunday night on Monday night. And he didn't bitch at all. That's our number one star receiver. Not complaining at all. Because he knows it's about getting the W. And he probably also knows that uh, <laughs> that Nick Foles is his quarterback. But like, look at what happened in Dallas this weekend. Uh, I'll, actually, I'm going to say the Cowboys for last. Because theirs is just the funniest to me. Per usual. Let's start off in New York. Landon Collins goes on the radio and calls Eli Apple a cancer. When was the last time... <laughs> That has ever happened. Just coming on the air and being like, you know what? This guy, he sucks. He is a horrible teammate. <laughs> like, that just never happens. There's been a bunch of rumblings about, you know, Eli Apple and his mom, and he doesn't talk to his stepbrothers or doesn't talk to anyone in his family anymore. Like, he's supposedly just a huge, huge brat. So, good first round pick there. And then, uh, <laughs> supposedly, Landon Collins and Eli Apple made up the next day after they talked to Coach Spags. Uh, they, they just, yeah, they just made up. Everything's fine. Doesn't even matter what he said on the radio about him being cancer. I'm sure everything's perfectly fine in that locker room. They seem like they've had their shit together there this year. Nothing to worry about with the Giants. Oh, and then Mike Francesa, Mike Francesa goes on the Bill Simmons podcast and says they might just run it back with Eli, uh, and, and just draft an offensive lineman top five overall instead of actually getting an escape plan uh, from Eli because Eli is not only bad now, but He's also like 36 years old, so you can't really expect him to be around forever. So not having a backup plan to get out of that seems like an absolutely uh, horrible decision. Also, drafting an offensive tackle in the top five would be a huge mistake mistake this year because there is no guys in the top five uh, of tackles, so that would be uh, a, a massive problem if I was the Giants. So if you're a Giants fan, not only is your star corner calling out your former first-round pick and calling him a cancer, but you might run it back with Eli for some pity party because you're because you benched him, and then everyone freaked out about you benching him. Even though before you benched him, the whole city knew he sucked. But ever since he benched him, he's like, "Oh, you can't disrespect the legend." Of course, you can't disrespect the legend, but that legend also sucks now. <laughs> like, move on, just move on. I don't know what like what is your plan, Davis Webb? Like, how are you not playing him in these last couple weeks just to see what he has? You you have absolutely nothing to lose, and if he turns out to be good. Then guess what? You don't have to draft the quarterback top five, and you could actually fill out a, a team around him. Are you kidding? Like what? Like the <laughs> the Giants? The Giants are 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 one of the biggest laughing stocks in the league now. Like who's gonna want to go play in that locker room? Oh, and they might hire uh, a former Panthers GM that gave D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart some of the biggest money in football. Like, a guy that just seems like he's stuck in the 1990s of building a football team. Good luck with that. I don't know. Like, the Giants seem like they have a long road back, and they just don't have an out plan with Eli. Maybe they draft Josh Rosen. Maybe that. Like, just just try something else. I don't know what running it back with Eli gets you. I don't go, I don't know what that gets you. Your defense is taking huge step backs. Offensive line is still a joke. Your your running game is horrible. You'll get you'll get OBJ back next year. That's fine. Pair him with Evan Ingram. It's a pretty great uh, passing game. But there's just 
it's they feel they feel eerily similar similar to the 2012 2013 Phillies that kind of run where they just didn't know that run was over and they kept everyone around uh, two years too late. That's what it feels like to me. Now moving on, the Redskins. Uh, everyone's hurt. They're on their fifth offensive tackle, I think. Um, they're they're hurt all over the defense. Everything seems to be falling apart down there. Jay Gruden, your head coach, who uh, again always looks like he just smelled a fart, is being targeted by the Bengals for their head coaching job, which I'm sure he'll take. <laughs> like, why would you why would you stay in Washington when you know you're losing Kirk Cousins? Your owner's an absolute psychopath. You play in a dog shit stadium with a a dog shit turf that everyone gets hurt on. Like, why would you why would you ever stay in in Washington when you know everything's crumbling to the ground there? Like. The, the Washington feels like the building, uh, the building that is shaking during the earthquake, and they're just waiting for the earthquake to come to tear everything to the ground. Because after they lose Kirk Cousins, like Kirk Cousins has has masked a lot of their problems in the last couple of years. Kirk Cousins, I think, is underrated. I understand that that John and everyone here calls him Kirk Coupons, which is fine. I understand he's a franchise quarterback at a discount, but he's also pretty damn good. He's, he's probably a top ten top 12-ish quarterback in the league. And they're in a pissing contest with him. And guess what? He's going to leave. So they're going to have to restart over next year. Guess what? Cole McCoy is probably going to be their starting quarterback next year. What? Like, (laughs) uh, they should probably draft the quarterback in the first round. They probably won't because I don't think they really know what they're doing. Oh, how could I forget? Their trial with Scott McLuhan starting this week. The guy who they, the the guy that is that basically built this team, found talent all over the draft, was a guy that I was personally afraid of in the NFC East. Guess what? They outed him by making up a drinking problem because he was an asshole, not an asshole, but I think he was just a tough guy to get along with because he was probably right all the time and was like, "Wow, this place is horrible." So good job running that guy out and then dragging his name through the mud in the media saying he has a drinking problem. <laughs> That's gonna come out. Uh, in in court this week, they're starting a court trial. He's probably gonna say, "Hey, everyone's drinking on the job. I wasn't drunk or anything. It's not like I have a huge drinking problem. I had it under control. I'm good." Like it's it's. I don't think it's gonna end very well for, for the Redskins. Finally, the Dallas Cowboys. Like, oh my God, my my sweet Jesus. Uh, so not only so they get Zeke back, right? They get Zeke back, and all their fans for the last couple of weeks, like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll be able to sneak into the playoffs. We'll get Zeke back. Once Zeke's back, once Zeke's back, no one's stopping us. Oh, wait, Zeke was in Cabo for 43 days. And then you get him back, the perfect opportunity. Seattle's dead. They just lost by 30-some at home to the Rams. You have them in a perfect opportunity to come down to, to Dallas and get their ass whooped with Zeke back, get momentum, make this game this weekend worth it with the Eagles wrestling everyone. But guess what? You fucking choked. Again, you choked. You are, like, for for a franchise that claims to be so proud, like, you're not the Yankees. You know you try to put yourself on that pedestal, but you're, you're not the Yankees. You can't rebuild. You don't know how to rebuild. You haven't made, you've won one freaking playoff game since 1995. Congrats. Congrats on that. And speaking of which, here are the teams that have made the NFC Championship game more recently than the Dallas Cowboys. So, yes, take this and send it to all your Cowboys fans, friends, if you have any. Uh, This is the list of teams that have made the NFC Championship game more recently than the Dallas Cowboys. The Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers, New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints, 
Arizona Cardinals, Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, your Philadelphia Eagles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. That sounded like a lot of teams, right? Like a shit ton of teams in the NFC? Guess what? The only team other than the Cowboys to not make an NFC championship during that time period, the Detroit Lions, the Lions, the 0-16, famously bad, hilariously bad Detroit Lions. That's it in the whole NFC. So really good job. Keep bringing up the rings from 95 because you are a freaking joke of an organization and you embarrass yourself every single year. Every single year you find a way to embarrass yourself, whether it's first round playoff exits, it's coming up small during the regular season, or just turning the ball over in big spots. I think it's funny. Also, good job running Tony Romo out of town because he was clearly the problem. Instead, you're stuck with Dak Prescott, who is taking a huge step back, a monster step back. Even with Zeke in there, he still looks like shit. He looks like a game manager. He might be Alex Smith. Congrats on hitching a wagon to him. Maybe, just maybe, if you were a smart franchise that understood where you were, you would have traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. Should have traded for Jimmy. That's all I'm saying. Had Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm a little worried. You have Dak. Who is worried about Dak? What is he going to do? He's a game manager. Congratulations. Also, shout out to Kean Fahey, who compared him to Peyton Manning. Really good stuff there, Kean, per usual. Um, also, in Romo, <laughs> not in Romo, in Dallas, Dez is going to meet with Jerry Jones this week about the scheme. Two, two perfectly level-headed guys having a civil meeting about the scheme. Neither one of these guys really have a big ego. I'm really scared that these two non-ego-driven guys that have no ego whatsoever and are very level-headed are going to have a nice civil discussion about the scheme and how Dez is being used. Oh, wait, that's exactly what's not going to happen. <laughs> two guys who love themselves some Jerry and love themselves some Dez are going to have a conversation about the scheme. Like, like first off, that Jerry knows anything about the scheme. And, like, Dez is going to walk in that meeting, like, civil, like, Hello, Mr. Jones, I would like to talk about how I'm being used in the offense. Yeah, right. That meeting is going to go horribly. I can already see Dez storming out with ear with, with, with smoke coming out of his ears. That's how I see him going. Oh, and Dak threw him under the bus after the game. So, again, really good job. Really, really good job, Cowboys. Per usual. Per usual. I just want to touch on this for, for two seconds. I'm ready six years later to officially call the Earl Thomas-Brandon Graham uh, debate. If you didn't see this, Earl Thomas went into the Cowboys locker room after the game, uh, went up to Jason Garrett, and, and said, hey, come get me. Yeah. Yeah, this one's over. The Earl Thomas-Brandon Graham debate is officially done. Brandon Graham would never do that. He would never go into an opposing locker room after the game and say, hey, come get me. He would especially never do it to the Cowboys. Earl Thomas grew up a Cowboys fan. She wouldn't work here. The, the Earl Thomas-Brandon Graham debate is officially over. Now, this is going to be a, a, really, a really trusting time in the trust tree for, for what I'm about to say. So we're going to go into the trust tree. And I need you to trust me here. And I need to not be judged for this. But I kind of don't want the Eagles to win the Super Bowl this year. And I know that sounds like a really, really hot take. 
and it probably is a hot take. Obviously, I would be ecstatic if the Eagles won the Super Bowl this year. One, I don't think they will. And two, I kind of want my first time to be special. I'm that innocent little boy in high school who just wants his first time to be special. He wants to find the perfect girl. And that perfect girl is Carson Wentz. And really, I want him to be the first one to hoist the trophy and take my Super Bowl virginity. I want Carson Wentz to be the one leading the parade down Broad Street with the Lombardi trophy in his raised right fist. I just kind of want that. And I don't think that's so bad. I want my first time to be special. And in the trust tree, I wonder if anyone else feels the same way. I don't think it makes me any less of a fan. And I'm sure, I am 99% sure there's someone else out there who agrees with me. They kind of want their first time to be special and they want their first time to be with Carson Wentz. They want that first Super Bowl experience, that first Super Bowl high to be with Carson. You know, he's the prodigal son, our savior, wears number 11, the same numbers as their former uh, NFL championship guys that, that won championships here. It just felt so right, and it felt so perfect, and I want that feeling, and I want that feeling for the first time ever to be with Carson Wentz. So I'm opening up to you, because I've had that cooped up in me for ever since he got hurt, or ever, since, ever since I knew he was done for the year. And it took me... 17, 16 days to come out and say it. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is that unfair? I don't know. If that makes you hate me and hate this podcast, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you how I feel. I kind of want my first time to be special. So from the top of the trust tree, a.k.a. me, to my branches and trust tree members, I'm opening up to you. And I kind of wish, I kind of don't want them to win this year because I want Carson to be the first one to hoist that trophy. Because it just felt so right. It just felt so right. If that last take pissed you off, you can always send an email to counterpointmailbag at counter, <laughs> counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. And right now, we are going to go check the mailbag. Last week, you know, I was I was tough on you guys. I was tough on you guys. I said I got like three mailbag questions. Come on. Come on. I know you got more questions than that. Uh, but you guys brought it this week. I, I had some fantastic emails uh, and, and, and Twitter questions, of course. So uh, the first one is from Aman Alexander, who was the one that sent me the email from his um, a, his honeymoon in the Philippines. He said, uh, Jack, uh, thank you for including my question in the podcast and apologies for going into mourning like many listeners. It's okay. It's okay. I forgive you for the last two weeks. <laughs> but I'm ready to be emotional about the Eagles again. I'm just not sure which way yet, which leads to my question. Against the Giants, Foles good, defense bad. Against the Raiders, Foles bad, defense good. We obviously don't know which Foles slash defense will show up in the playoffs, but I'm still thinking if the good version of the Eagles show up and Dougie P is the man to do that, these guys can win any game and only three games matter. So is there still reason to be excited, hopeful, or am I crazy to unfreeze my heart? Thanks for fighting the good fight. I don't know what fight I'm fighting, um, especially after you hear this podcast. I don't think people are going to be too happy <laughs> with me. Um, listen, I just, 
I don't think they can win the Super Bowl with, with Nick Foles. And I think there's a specific formula to winning the Super Bowl with an average quarterback, and I think it's having an all-time defense. And I just don't think the Eagles have that great of a defense. I just don't. I think I think against the Raiders, they masked a lot of problems. I don't think the Eagles' defense played that great. I thought they played good, and they had timely turnovers when they needed it, but I don't think you can rely on that kind of stuff in a playoff game. Um, so I think, the, I think the Eagles' defense in a playoff game at home will show up. Um, I think the loss of Jordan Hicks is being uh, not talked about enough. So I think that defense in the playoffs will show up. It just it comes down to can Foles beat you? Because I think that teams in the playoffs are going to stack eight in the box and force Foles to beat them, and I just don't know if he can do that. Now, I have this weird feeling that Doug kind of had a, a vanilla game plan against the Oakland Raiders just because he didn't really want people to get hurt. It was a cold night. It was a little wet. Uh, just you know, it felt like a game that someone could have got seriously hurt in, and I kind of wonder if Doug held off the reins a little bit. He wasn't nearly as creative as he was in the Giants game. That's it. It feels a bit like a stretch, but I, for some reason, I kind of think that way a, a little bit. I think the Eagles can win a playoff game. I think the Eagles can win a playoff game. I just can't see them winning two. That's kind of where I'm at right now, and I don't think that's really going to change. I think everything goes right. They can win a playoff game. Um, but to win an NFC Championship game against one of those teams that might come in here is is just a, it's a it's a high task for this team, I think. All right, moving on. James Bray, I broke up with my girlfriend the week before the Seattle game. Should I get back together with her? Um, let me ask you one question, James. Did Carson Wentz have a have an ACL, a healthy ACL before you broke up with her? Case closed. Case closed. Now what you could do is just sit the rest of the season out. Explore what else is out there. Uh, see how it goes. If things aren't great out there, right before the season next year, Carson's healthy. Boom. Get back in there because uh, when you were a taken man, Carson was healthy. The Eagles look like a Super Bowl contender. I'm just saying, James. Might have to take one for the team. Moving on to Juan Gutierrez. Ooh, FIU. Nice. Hey, man. How would you approach this week? I feel like Foles and Alshon specifically need reps to improve their chemistry. I'd play them a half. Also, if you could pick a divisional round opponent, who would it be? So, the Foles and Alshon thing is, is a little bit weird. I think they obviously need to get uh, on the same page. Like They just, they just haven't been the last two games. Uh, I know he had a touchdown the week before, but still it never really felt, uh, never really felt right. So, I would, I would play them about a half. And it's not because I... I need to see more from Nick Foles, but I think the chemistry is is if you want to win a playoff game, you have to get comfortable playing with Nick Foles. You just have to. <laughs> so uh, I would I would play him a, I would play him a half, and yes, I would risk the injury, uh, and then you're playing Nate Sudfeld, who was probably not great. Um, I would I would risk the injury. I would play Foles and Alshon, and I would get the offense kind of you know it, honestly if they come down, they score two quick touchdowns, and they look clean. I would get them out of there. And just, just just stick with that. They need to show uh, a little bit more like a well-oiled machine. Now, the defense, on the other hand, I'm probably sitting my main guys on defense just to make sure they're f- as fresh as possible heading into the playoffs because the same kind of thing happened last year with the defense where they kind of slowed down as the season went, went on. The pass rush didn't get there as easily as it was early in the season. That kind of has happened this year. I think they're, they're much more deep along the defensive line, but still I'd rather have them as fresh as possible. So I'd like to see some Steven Means, Destiny Vio, uh, those kind of guys. I would still play Barnett. I'd play Barnett this week. 
week. I have no problem with that. But like Chris Long, Fletcher Cox, Tim Jernigan, uh, Vinny Curry, I'm, I'm sitting all those guys. I have no problem playing Barnett. I think Barnett is young enough, and I think he's only getting better. So just letting him kind of eat for a whole game would be good. Um, but, yeah, most of the defense I'm sitting. I'm sitting in my corners. I'm getting Rasul up. I'm, I don't know about Sidney Jones. I don't, I don't think I would put him out there just yet. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. I would, if, 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 if the offense comes out and dominates for I mean, that's that could be that could be motivation from Doug. Doug could be like, hey, go out there, dominate, show me you're good, and then I'll get you out of the game. I think that's how I'd play it if I was Doug. I think that's a good motivational tool for his team, um, and I'm good with that. All right, this is from Zach Anderson. Hey, Jack, love the show. This was a bit too long to tweet, so here we go. Revisiting a topic from several weeks ago, recently I took a trip to Dallas-Fort Worth area to visit my girlfriend's family. She's not a Cowboys fan, thankfully. Good to hear. Um, I'm never one to pass up to troll Cowboys fans. I made it a point to bring my best Eagles hat and wear it often. Now, I'm the same way. If I know I'm going to another state that has another team, uh, whether it's, uh, it doesn't really matter. I'm wearing as much Philly gear as possible just because I know it irks people. And I sort of really like irking people. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would, def- I'm with you. I'm with you, Zach. I would wear as much Philly slash Eagles, whatever gear, if I'm going into an opposing uh, area, because I just think it's funny watching how mad people get. Like, like last year I was in Washington, and of course I was wearing Eagles gear, and I wasn't really like, I wasn't even being annoying or anything. I was just walking out of the stadium. It was an embarrassing loss. I was really angry. And a guy was like, guy came up to me, he was like, yo, fuck the Eagles. And I gave him the jerk off motion, and then he like wanted to fight me. And I was like, "What? What are you so mad about?" I mean, like I wasn't even doing anything. I gave you the jerk off motion, and people don't like the jerk off motion at all. I've got in several almost altercations because of the jerk off motion. So be be wary of using the jerk off motion in public, so because people really really don't like it. Anyway, back to Zach's question. While enjoying a casual dinner with my girlfriend and her parents, I got an audible "Go Birds." from a guy who was wearing an Eagles hat. This being Cowboys territory, I knew I, I knew I had to acknowledge my Eagles brethren, but definitely felt awkward responding with the same go birds before returning to my tacos. Any updates, tips, or tricks on how the hell we're supposed to handle the situation? Thanks and go birds. I am just glad that I'm not the only one that gets stuck in these go bird situations. So uh, it happened to me again another, about a week ago. I was wearing Eagles gear, and someone said, hey, how about those Eagles? And again, I just, I just don't know what to say. <laughs> so, like... I, I always forget it, and I tell myself, I try to tell myself before I go out, you have to have a plan if you're going to wear Eagles gear in public because you need to have something to say. Now, most times, someone will say, go birds. A go birds is the usual uh, outcry from one of your brethren. You just have to have some kind of exit plan in these situations. So, yes, before you go out, look in the mirror, know that you have Eagles gear on, and then have some kind of exit plan for when someone says the, the go birds and you're caught off guard and then it's just awkward for everyone else out there. Now, if you're in Dallas, Fort Worth area and a guy says go birds, it's either one, make a huge scene, start an Eagles chant and really, really piss off people. Or it's just the awkward, Hey, yeah, go, go, go birds and go back to your tacos. One of the two, the one is really bold. If you're, if you, if you stand up and start an Eagles chant, in front of a in front of a, a restaurant of probable Cowboys fans, it's a bold move. It's a bold move that I probably wouldn't do unless I was like drunk. And even then, it's a risky move, but it'd also be hilarious. So, 
I think I think you got one of two exit plans there. If you're in opposing territory, being loud and boisterous is 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 definitely acceptable. If you're in the Philly area, it's a little bit like, all right, we get it. Like everyone here is pretty much Eagles fans. But then if you do it around here, it's kind of cool because then maybe the whole bar joins in. Also, it depends on your drinking level. So Zach, if you were if you're a little drunker, see, this seems like the thought of a sober guy, which is good. You know, I mean, thinking soberly about an Eagles chant is good because if you, if you're drunk and doing Eagles chants, I could see it, I could see it ending poorly in Dallas territory. But uh, yeah, that's how I feel about that. Yeah, the the, the go birds and in public is definitely something that I still can't. I'm still not good with. Let's check the twitter.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Jack underscore Fritz thirty four. This is from Justin Bowlinger. One, who do you want to say the most out of Reich, Schwartz, or Flip? I say Flip, then Schwartz. I agree with you. I think Flip is super underrated here. I think he is super underrated in the red zone especially. Carson had a huge jump from year one to year two in the red zone. I think that has a lot to do with Flip. Um, I think he's an offensive wizard that is going to be a fantastic head coach at some point. And it just seems like everyone around the Eagles is kind of accepting that he's going to leave which really stinks, and he's going to get... I mean, there's like there could be 14 NFL jobs open. Holy shit. <laughs> we have 14 jobs open. And, I mean, I just feel like Flip's going to get one of them. Uh, I think Schwartz will interview, but I'm just not sure a team... Like, what has he done that's so amazing? Uh, I get that he's an alpha dog, but he's also lead some pretty undisciplined defenses. Now that's you leading your whole team. And I don't know. If I was a team, I'd be a little wary of hiring Jim Schwartz. But then again, hiring Jim Schwartz... Seems like a really, really Browns move. <laughs> so I could see them taking a step back and hiring Jim Schwartz. Uh, I would, I would agree with you. I'd, I would, I would be more, up, most upset slash worried about losing Flip than Schwartz. And he, the second question is, uh, marry, fuck, or cheat? On so uh, marry Carson, obviously. I mean, he's a soulmate type. Look at him. Look at his eyes. He has the intense. He had the intense love of football the other day in the in the owner's box. You could just see the eyes. Now imagine those gazed upon you. Come on. Like you're saying no to that. You're marrying Carson Wentz. Great dude. Uh, just just an all-around, just the best. Nice guy. Never going to hurt you. Carson's the most, the most marryable Philly athlete I can ever remember. Even Chase Utley. I'm marrying Chase Utley. Come on. Carson Wentz is the most marryable Philly athlete in this question ever. I don't think that's a hot take. Um... I would definitely cheat on Fletcher Cox because he is a guy that is prone to cheating and the cheated get cheated on. And I'll, eh, sure, I'll mess around with Malcolm Jenkins. Why not? Great dude. Fantastic dude. Love Malcolm Jenkins. All right. The right cheesesteak order. So I know if you listen to this pod, oh, this is from uh, Nadir, the right cheese. He asked, what is the right cheesesteak order? And I'm glad that you came to me because I love cheesesteaks, obviously. Who doesn't love cheesesteaks? But I really eat a lot of cheesesteaks. I mean, it's it's developing into a problem. So there's 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 a lot of types of cheesesteaks out there. You know, Del Sandro's is great, but it's like too much meat. Like a too meaty cheesesteak turns dry, and I don't like a dry cheesesteak. I like extra cheese on my cheesesteak. So like the inside of a cheesesteak mixed with the, the, the steak is perfect for me. But the steak also can't be like the stretchy kind where you're pulling fat out of it while you're eating it. So it... It has to be a nice, clean bite off between the, the the cheese, which can be melted into the roll, and definitely a little bit soggy. 
Now, not super soggy to where it's coming through the roll, but a little soggy is what it, is exactly what you need. I'm a traditional American cheese and fried onions guy. I don't do the whiz, but that's just me. Just me. This is from our friend Matt Gumbrecht. Grumbrecht. Uh, what is the minimum that must happen this postseason to make this season a success? I already think it's a success, and if you asked me before Carson's injury, I would say making the Super Bowl would have been a success. But now with Foles, it kind of changes your uh, realistic outlook on the season, and I think just how well he played, how good he progressed from year one to year two is already enough for me, and I know when he comes back, he's going to be even better. So and I think the coaching staff proved themselves this year. Uh, I think the defense, I think Joe Douglas proved himself this year. I think everything this year was a success. Losing Carson changes your changes your mentality. So already, it's already a success for me. And that's a, I think it's already a success. If Carson was healthy, I would say that not making the Super Bowl would have been a disappointment. Making the Super Bowl would have been fine. This is from Michael Q. Coggin. Uh, my question for the Counterpoint Podcast is this. Which should I trust here? McLean's reporting or your Bud Pounder's theory? Uh, leaning towards the trust tree here. First off, always trust the trust tree. Uh, if you didn't see the story, it wasn't by Jeff McLean. It was by Frank Fitzpatrick, I think his name is. Uh, just McLean tweeted it out. So James Bradley, who was like this innovative, uh, he was the guy that did Carson Wentz's knee injury, who I said last week looked like a guy that liked to have six Bud, <laughs> Budweiser pounders and operate on some knees. Uh, it's supposedly a big knee guy, just a big time knee guy. But the thing is, is that this was the first ACL he's ever operated on uh, of an NFL player. So that doesn't make me feel great. Now, he's, now he's supposedly really well-versed, one of the best uh, sports surgeons in the world, um, really well you know, respected and, and done a bunch of work on knees with, with Ben Roethlisberger and Charlie Batch, apparently. It's just that he's never done an ACL before. Um, so on a quarterback uh, in the NFL. So that obviously is going to cause a little bit of concern. I mean, I know he's worked on some central PA, western PA uh, high school players and college players, but it's not the savior of my franchise. So, of course, I'm a little concerned. But the guy seems like he's pretty well-renowned, and uh, I will hopefully trust Jeff Larry that they didn't send him to some kook. That's just me. Okay, so that's going to do it for the... Oh, I guess I should do what's the line saying. So, like, what's the line saying doesn't really matter. I'm not going to count this one because it doesn't really make any sense to do it because the Eagles are resting players. You don't know um, you don't know who's playing what and how long for. So just don't bet it. If I had to give you any sort of advice this week, don't bet on this Eagles-Cowboys game. That's all i got to say about that. That's what's the line saying. That's the Brian Dawkins 20th CounterPoint episode podcast. I can't believe it's only been 20. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening, and I'll be back next week. This is what, your second record, and it's the song you wrote. Uh, yes, I write most of the stuff.